Welcome to the Forward 40 Podcast, where we highlight the experiences of 40 women of color on the rise in the nonprofit and social enterprise sectors. This is an ode to our foremothers, a healing circle of our unique experiences, and a bridge of insight and wisdom across generations. that you had expanded upon your work into being an entrepreneur uh, to further hone in on the supports and the development of women of color. And I just knew like, oh yes, I definitely need to connect with her. So thank you so much for taking out the time to be with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So Real Brown Girls, um, it is an online community for personal and professional development. How did this all come about? And how did you choose to, like, scale the and, and scope the model of Real Brown Girls? And what was the tipping point for you to say, you know what, I'm going to venture outside of my day job to pivot into this space? Um, so Real Brown Girls had a very and for the most part still has a very organic grassroots method of functioning. Um, I love to tell people I did not wake up one day and say like, oh, I'm going to start something. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. That's not at all how it happened. It started with, I heard the name Real Brown Girls. Um, it took a few weeks, maybe months, if I can remember correctly. And I couldn't shake the, the name, mm. and I was like, all right, obviously, I'm supposed to do something with this. I started an Instagram profile. I didn't even have a personal Instagram profile at that juncture. Had to ask a friend. I said, girl, how do you use it? <laughs> um, and she was like, you are so old to be so young. Um, <laughs> and then from there, it grew. Um, and as it grew... You know, I just started putting different systems and such in place to make sense of it all. But I'm definitely not someone that started with a business plan. I'm not someone that had, like, a five-year growth plan or anything of that nature. It was definitely very organic. And it still is organic. There's obviously plans. Like, I don't want anyone to think, like, oh, she's just winging it day to day. No, no. Um, That's not the case anymore. That was the case in the very early stages. But it was very organic. So I do believe, depending on what someone wants to do, it's like you don't have to wait till it's perfect. You can, mm-hmm. you can just start. And sometimes you do have to figure it out as you go. There's trial and error. As far as a tipping point for starting it, because of the way that it came to be, there was no tipping point necessarily. That said, I've always been some, 
someone who started something. So it wasn't necessarily a different experience to start something. It's just that what Real Ground Girls is very different than any kind of project that I had my hands in before. That's beautiful. And similar to you, uh, full confession, I was not familiar with how to start an Instagram either. <laughs> um, and decided, yeah, like, know. you know, it's it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to, like, really maximize uh, my reach, then I know that this is a way to market and brand um, the work, but I didn't have a personal profile either, so um, you were not alone in that <laughs> at all. Um, I knew I wasn't, and she <laughs> made fun of me, and I was like, you can ha-ha all you want, teach me, though. <laughs> exactly. Uh, obviously, she did, because I know what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. You sure <laughs> do, you sure do. Um, so you said that you heard real brown girls, and like in the name Brown Girls, um, there it for for me it was very inviting, but for some it may um, they may perceive it as being exclusionary um, or questioning whether they fit into the the label of a brown girl. Like, how have you, um, I guess, managed that of just like sharing the the space and um, I guess like overcoming maybe some uh, some some obstacles and perceptions associated with a space that is for women of color. I have a background in black studies and ethnic studies, so when it comes to these types of questions, it doesn't bother me because I'm well equipped with how to handle it. That said, it I've been um, questioned whether brown girls meant all women of color or whether brown girls meant black girls, because some people do say women of color, and it doesn't mean all women of color, so... I'm very much used to the, this line of questioning. When I say brown girls, I truly mean all women of color. The, our audience is predominantly women who identify as black women, but there is a huge Latina ex, um, Latinx population. There is a, I think about 15% of our audience identify as top Southeast Asian. Wow. There are, there's a nice population that African from the continent, so they might not refer to themselves as black just based on culture and geography mm-hmm. uh, and how race relations manifest in different parts of the world. And there are women who are would identify as Chicana. Someone else might want to label them Latinx or Latina, but that's not how they self-identify. So it's been very inclusive as far as brown girls and what that means. In general, I identify as a black woman, but I've never said, like, oh, if you don't identify with me, you ain't brown. No, that's not my Mm -hmm, mm case. With regards to it being exclusionary for others, there is, now it's very small, but about 5% of the population are women who identify as white, actually. They don't necessarily attend the events. They've been, they're welcome to. They have not for reasons that I have not probed on. But when it comes to the specific question of whether it's, um, you know, exclusive Uh to other people, I always say if we look at mainstream society, folks would not have to create communities to sustain them if mainstream society was actually inclusive. Absolutely. So since mainstream society is not inclusive, that's why things like Real Brown Girls and every other affinity group 
diversity group and exist because other places are not inclusive. So it's an easy rebuttal. It's a conversation. It doesn't come up often, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has come up. And I'm like, well, here goes the spiel. And then people, <laughs> they nod their heads and we, we do move on. And I mean, I, I like how bold you were in deciding on the name. Um, it, again, like I said, like it can definitely be inviting for, for most, um, myself included. Uh, and it honestly doesn't leave much to, to questioning, but I do know within, you know, uh, the current space of where we are existing, you know, in terms of the political climate, but then also just decades and decades of questioning about creating space uh, specifically for one particular group around a particular affinity, um, there comes that questioning of others that may feel like they're being left out. So thank you for, for, for speaking to that. Um, now, uh, you were formerly in the nonprofit sector full-time now, and then you also have real brown girls, um, how, like, what, what were kind of some of the internal things that you had to overcome to claim this space to be your own? Uh, because I know that we have listeners who have thought about entrepreneurial ventures, have felt like maybe they couldn't do it either because of doubt or questions around mm-hmm. inadequacy. So what were some of the things that you did to kind of like overcome those types of questioning um, and exploration in order to be in the space? So one thing, I get asked that question in different ways a lot, not necessarily podcast style because I don't do that many podcast interviews, but just in just everyday conversation. I usually start by telling people I don't come, it's a blessing and a curse, so just let me start with that. I don't come from a family that allows you to question yourself but so much. Mm-hmm. So there is a natural air of confidence that just I have from just quite literally the interesting style of upbringing. Mm-hmm. Now, that does not mean that there were not times, or there are not times where I sit down and I'm like, Sable, like, what, what's going on right now? What are you doing? Who are you? Fix your life. Um, that definitely happens. When those things do happen, I think the biggest shift that allows people to be more, to become more comfortable with taking risks is simply, okay, you've listed all of the things that could go wrong and all of the things that you are afraid of for whatever reason. Let's now make a list, whether you physically write this list down or you just, you know, work through this in your head or verbally with a friend, yourself. I talk to myself all the time, so that's that. (laughs) Um, What if everything goes well? Then what? Um, So I think one of the big things with overcoming these moments that do happen for everyone because it's natural, it's a mindset shift. Yes, you might fail, but what if you succeed? And it's not necessarily a failure it did not go as planned, what lessons can you learn for the next time you try? It's mm-hmm. just you have to be willing to try. And I will admit, there are times where trying is absolutely scary, 
But one of the things that I used to tell my students when I was a high school teacher, especially since I dealt with seniors, so they're going through that entire college application process, if they so choose to, was the idea of don't count yourself out. Mm. Like, don't self-select a no out of fear. The worst you can do is try. It might work out well, it might not, but you'll never know if you don't at least try. So with that analogy, maybe your grades aren't quote-unquote up to par, whatever that means for someone. Still apply to the school, especially if you can afford to because applications are a whole other story. But, like, still apply. You won't know if it's a yes or a no or a maybe unless you just submit your information, unless you just put yourself out there. So I think if it's someone who's interested in a side hustle, a project, a passion project, a thing, you know, whatever it is, whatever titles you want to put on it, you can overthink things a lot and that can start you, that can stop you from starting. Mm-hmm. But remember that you do have to just try at some point. And I tell people, I don't know if I would call it a mantra necessarily, but I often say that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, perfectionism is like synonymous with procrastination. Uh, a lot of people are hiding under this, it's not perfect, it's not perfect. Yeah, but you're not wasting time. So just start. You can tweak as you go. I really, really like that. Uh, perfectionism is somewhat synonymous, synonymous with, yeah, with, with procrastination. procrastination. Yeah. You, you just gotta go for it. It's not always going to be pretty, but you can fix it and make it pretty later. And that's the, you know, leaving room for the failure. Uh, because in the failure, there is the, the, the learning of, like you said, of how to do it differently next time. Um, and, That can be a challenge for those that are definitely risk-averse, but they have great ideas of things that they want to do. But I do like what you you mentioned. Um, You you don't know unless you try. You you won't know unless you at least take that first step and then allow um, everything else to just fall into place Um, and maneuver, uh, being able, being open and willing to be agile in, in the process as well. Um, there is no no clear blueprint um, and panacea for entrepreneurial work. So thank thank you for that. Um, now, Real Brown Girls has um, expanded. You have chapter leaders, um, and so it, it's gone from you know. As, as you mentioned, if someone wanted to label it as kind of like passion project, side hustle, to you actually have a team. How did you get to the point of building this team, identifying that this is the direction that you wanted to move in? And also, um, you have the footprint kind of like in a northeast mid-Atlantic area. What's, what's your vision um, for, I would say, like the next five years? You know, like that question that they always ask you uh, during oh, yeah. during interviews. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in five years? Exactly. Um, I see myself almost done with my student loans. Um, <laughs> Amen to that. Um, so... With regards to building a team, expanding vision, I've I've wanted to do, I've understood that it was supposed to be chapters years ago, um, but I also understood that the timing wasn't right, Mm. and I 
am not extremely patient. I don't want to tell that lie. Um, at the same time, I recognize the importance of timing and just recognizing when things align and when things don't align and don't try to force it if it's just not the time. Mm. So with that being said, this year has shown itself to be the time. When it comes to how did I go about building the team, I can honestly say that team thus far has come to me. Beautiful. And that's how I knew it was the right time. I did not have to go out and search for people. I did not have to do anything completely dramatic. They were, they are individuals that fully believe in the vision. They understand me and all of my idiosyncrasies um, and my leadership style and how I want to grow and develop them and vice versa. So, um, it was all alignment, and the timing finally made sense. Right now, we're starting with Northeast and Mid-Atlantic. Well, there's the South, too, because there's the Atlantic chapter. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's there's definitely cities to come in the pipeline, but like I said in the beginning, it's very much so grassroots. So as the city showed themselves to be this is a home for RBG, that's where it will go. I don't believe in forcing it somewhere where it's not necessarily the right fit right now. Mm. Not that it'll never be the right fit. It's just it's not where it's supposed to be currently or in, let's say, the next three to six months. But as of right now, there are three to four more cities that are in the pipeline that we're working on, working on launches, and now we'll expand beyond the Northeast. So That's it's great. just a matter of... Yeah, it's just a matter of being patient and allowing things to unfold as they're supposed to versus me trying to push some dramatic timeline just to say I did it. I don't really believe in that. Mm. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention, like, this is currently Black Philanthropy Month, and you made the decision to um, not only create this business model, but also have a foundation um, that's an extension of the work to give back to a younger generation of women. Um, And I wanted to know if you could speak more about that work, and also, what are you hearing from the next generation in terms of the things that they need from us? So the RBG Foundation was created um, very specifically to provide scholarships for young girls of color for summer programs. People who are not yet parents are not necessarily, not everyone, I don't want to generalize, but many people are not necessarily aware of how expensive summer programming can be, nor are they necessarily aware of the sliding gap that happens between a school year ending and the next school year starting and how children of color are more impacted by that gap, mm-hmm. by the lack of, you know, quality summer, summer programs and those more quality programs, just programs in general, they're an extra expense. So that's, that's, that's the sole purpose of the foundation. There's money being raised, there's fundraisers, there's outreach, there's all that kind of stuff happening behind the scenes. And then it's like, ta-da, apply for these scholarships, ta-da, you have so many now. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for anyone who, who is selected. As far as what am I hearing from the next generation, I think if you were to do a, a longitudinal study from generation to generation, very much similar things. Hmm. They want mentorship. They want 
want to be respected. At the same time, they want time to explore. Hmm. They want to talk to older women without judgment of this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do. Though that happens, um, not in a uh, authoritative style that tends to happen between child and parent or child and teacher. Um, so it, it's very, it's, it's not so different from generation to generation. The, I would love to say the younger generation is so very different. Their entertainment might be different. <laughs> but I also think that's relative because every older generation, exactly. generation has, like, interesting style of entertainment and music, etc. So really it's just, where if we are a community of professional women who are doing well for ourselves, decently for ourselves, financially, professionally, etc., maybe you don't have the time and space to give back, but imagine what that $25 donation or that $100 donation could do for someone coming behind you in those footsteps. So that's really the RBG Foundation in a nutshell. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I definitely encourage um, people to give up their time and also give up their resources uh, for the younger generation of women um, that are coming up behind us. So Sable, uh, we always close each segment with a tea affirmation. Um, And I wanted to know what would be your tea affirmation for our listeners to have them hold on to for the next segment? So, I normally tell people, one that I learned, I think in fourth grade, don't get me to lying, <laughs> I think it was fourth grade, which is if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. I still live by that mantra. However, recently with this last, uh, this last two months of just complete and utter, just everything happening very quickly and all at the same time, uh, is the idea that it's get comfortable with uh, feeling discomfort hmm. because that's where the growth lies. Mm. That is beautiful. Get comfortable with the discomfort. Mm. Now that that I mean that is a charge within itself, um, and and kind of like a spirit check even for me. So th- thank you for that. Um, so for those that wanted to be a part of this amazing online community of women, how? Will they stay connected um, and also get involved? If someone wants to just strictly be friendly on social media, they can follow on Instagram at Real Brown Girls. If they wanted to join the online membership and then learn about the upcoming chapters that are being launched and the chapters that have already launched or even launch a chapter in their city because that's something that I'm very much open to, the team is very much open to, then if you go to realbrowngirls.com, that first page, that homepage will have all of the links for you to click and sign up and send emails and all that, all that kind of stuff. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Sable. I greatly appreciate you taking the time and sharing more about your work. And I definitely encourage those uh, that are out there to really take the time to be a part of the amazing work that you're doing and be a part of this larger community of women of color. Thank you. Thank you. Until we connect again, sip, sis, say la, share, and continue to serve.